0: survival is debatable salvation is not remember that there's all types of theories out there on how to survive COVID-19 how to survive the commotion that we're in how to survive this culture how to survive this government you know all of that is debatable and I for one like all sides all opinions there's a lot of things to uh, learn from all kinds of people but we're debating about the masks yes you're listening to this, you probably have a mask on right now. I can see it right now. You're walking through your local big box store with a mask on, trying to find what you're looking for and hopefully not pass out because you're breathing your own CO2. I've had a, a lot of people message me about the masks. You know, our, our mayor here has uh, put out a mask policy asking uh public places to have people wear masks while on the inside and our local church is uh complying with that and thank the lord for everybody that's having patience with that and and thankfully here in our local church everybody for the most part is keeping their opinions to themselves haven't seen an insurrection rise up or anything like that so we we appreciate patience and things like that but yeah it is something that's okay to talk about but we must understand that it is debatable Don't make enemies over masks. As we talked about last week, there are people that were friends for 25 years and are not speaking to each other over uh, the the, uh, death of George Floyd. There's people that are not talking to each other based upon differences of of, uh, racism. People are not talking to each other based upon differences of opinion about police brutality and things like that. It's not worth losing your friends over. We've got to stay together, respect each other, listen to each other, be open, and you don't have to agree. All you got to do is listen, and that's how you keep your friends. The masks are no different. I'll say this about masks. When you go to a doctor, you see nurses. Do they have masks on? They sure do. You go to a dentist. He's got his hands in your mouth. The dental hygienist is spraying your teeth sucking the spit out of the back of your throat. Are they wearing masks? Yes, they do. That should tell you something. Masks have a place. The medical community has been wearing them for years. They always wear them. So there is something to it. But then there are doctors out there saying that the masks do nothing for COVID-19, but instead it just helps give some people mental assurance. Well, that's a good thing. If the masks keep people from going absolutely insane, uh, then so be it. I had a friend of mine say that they went to a restaurant. They were sitting outdoors. They were 30 feet away from some people and some guys stood up crazy hair, crazy eyes, crazy dirty shirt and started yelling obscenities at them because they weren't wearing a mask. OK, uh, I, I get it. There's people out there that don't want to have anybody tell them what to do, whether it's their mayor, whether it's a governing official, whether it's law enforcement or some crazy dunce across the patio of a restaurant you know what i say avoid disputes avoid arguments and keep the nuts away and wear a mask but i get it you know the mask the pores in the mask uh, they're not very big and COVID 19 virus is really small and those little small virus uh, molecules can get through your mask and blow all over the place. I get it. You can breathe them in. I understand that. Look, I've got a chain link fence in my backyard. Is it keeping out the mosquitoes? Absolutely not. Is it keeping out the chiggers? No, they're getting through. But the fence keeps out uh, other things, and I like just the psychology of having a fenced-in yard. I do like that. I have talked to people with my own mask on, and they have their own mask, and I can smell their halitosis. That tells me that stuff is escaping through that mask and if you think about this people guys have been wearing pants for years and in a way that is a uh, covering for their hind end and they happen to expel a little intestinal gas through their pants i.e., their rear-end covering we can still smell that flatulence so cloth doesn't just necessarily keep in germs it doesn't necessarily keep in molecules any kind of odor can get through and if an odor can get through a disease can get through. But what I'm saying to you here today on this episode of Spirit Signal is don't let your patience run out. Don't let your patience run out. Wear the face covering. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Keep a cool head. It's not worth losing friends over. It's not churches uh, banging down the door of their pastor. Let us in without a mask. It is not worth it. Jesus said in Luke 21, it needs to be the chapter that we read every day and hold close. It is the chapter not so much about the tribulation, but things that will precede the tribulation, the beginning of sorrows. And at the end of it, it, Jesus says, by patience, you possess your soul. You want to stay saved during all of this? You're going to have to have patience. If you lose your patience, you will lose your soul. But patience will help you to possess your soul. So stop screaming no, stop yelling, stop arguing, stop disputing, stop contending. This episode is not about COVID-19 and the face coverings that we are wearing. It's not about politics, it's not survival, it's not about health, or it's etc. Really what I want to talk to you today about is some deep biblical insight to covering your face, what it has to do with prayer, what it has to do with prophetic ministry, what it has... To Uh, to do with uh, succeeding a very powerful ministry, what it has to do in gaining the anointing and the favor of the elders. That's what we are going to talk about today. You are listening to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, a God, Bible, and Church podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Truth Radio app, and many, many more, with new episodes uploaded Thursdays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please consider subscribing, giving a great review and rating, and telling this podcast about your uh, telling this telling your friends about this podcast. Uh, SSWJG is free. It is free. I have uh, freely. I have received, so I am freely giving. I don't charge a dime for this. I don't have any sponsors yet. Matter of fact, I have invested money into this and haven't received anything. But I tell you what, many people have asked how they can give. I have rejected it for the time being. I say the first couple years, I'm just going to give it back to the public. This is holy, sanctified. It's all for God. It's all for you. But I will take your reviews and ratings. Chances are you're probably listening to Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button. That's how you can give back to SSWJG. You know how else you can give it going? Review this give us a four or five star review uh, and then and and, or a rating and then type something in. give us a good review who is texting me don't they know that I'm in the middle of a trying to record okay we got this this silenced I'm sorry I cannot text you back anyway where was I oh yes give us a review and rating also you want to stay connected follow me on social media Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. You can also contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. Scroll on down, reference the episode notes uh, for more details. I love podcast listeners. They're loyal, they're smart, they're delightful. And I want all of you to stay connect, all of us to stay connected with each other. And it's just great to hear back from from you and uh, what you think about uh, the, the uh, content that we are producing. Today is Thursday, July 16th in the illustrious year 2020. Uh, it, from time to time, I like to talk about current events as it relates to God, Bible, church, and sometimes the uh, spiritual climate, the times and seasons that we are in. I saw a video posted July 1st, 2020 by Alex Heeb. Alex Heeb and it's a video of a protest happening in St. Louis Missouri a neighboring city to me in St. Louis Missouri and it it in the video you see a bunch of Catholics good St. Louis Catholic people it's a very Catholic town hence Saint. Louis the Catholic St. Louis. Catholics are gathered around a historic statue. I'm not sure what statue it is, but it looks very historic and it's it's very Catholic in its, na- in its nature. And you know, during this time, there have been many statues vandalized, torn down, and it's a disgrace. I don't like it. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. Because the motive behind it is to erase American history, to erase American culture. And I think statues are not idols. They're not objects of worship, but they're objects of history. They're objects of art to communicate a message. And a lot of these so-called racist statues are not pro-racism, but rather a message to the fate of racism, how racism was brought down, how it was erased, and it communicates that message. And those statues, many of them are 175 years old, a lot older than any Black Lives Matter protester. So you want your message to be heard. Don't tear down the statue that's speaking it. It's going to outlive you. Leave it up there. Stop tearing it down. Why don't you be a living statue and just stand around that statue? And that statue can't talk, so why don't you just talk and, and share your message? Okay? The statues have feelings, too. Leave the statues alone. And I want to tell all of you that are, are just looking at this thinking, oh, it's no big deal. Hey, it's a, if they're going to tear down statues, it's only a matter of time before they start uh, tearing down people. That is that it's it's just a uh, a little item, a bullet point from the old playbook of of uh, Karl Marx. That's how the communists do it. They tear down the history and rebuild their own culture. And that's really what this is all about. Oh, yeah. You don't believe me. Go to BLM website. They'll tell you they're communists. They hate the family. They hate the fathers and mothers. They're all about the community. Oh, yeah, it takes a village to raise a child. No family. Everybody can sleep around. Everybody can have children with 16 different people. And the community will take care of them. All of that stuff. No, God, you just need the state. I'm telling you what, it's the old hammer and sickle trying to raise its ugly head again. But thank the Lord for presidents and the current president that we have and the army that we have, the military forces that are going to bring this down very, very quickly. I'm telling you right now, God bless our police. God bless our police who have turned the other cheek to all of these protesters. And God bless the silent majority who have stayed silent and turned the other cheek. We are not above reproach. We realize that racism is a problem in this country and we're really not arguing back for it. We're letting people talk and we're letting people listen. But this next wave of protests that are coming this fall, and yes, they're coming, they're coming. I don't think there's going to be uh, so much compliance with this. I don't think we're going to turn the other cheek. The cops are cert- the police are not certainly not going to turn the other cheek, and uh, citizens are not going to turn the other cheek. But uh, we are going to stand our ground and defend what we have because we love America. We love the f- we love our families. We love our careers. We love being self reliant, and we're not going to uh, probably take this anymore. But yeah, down here at this statue in St. Louis, there are Catholics chanting Catholic prayers. And they're praying. Really nice-looking people. I've never been to a Catholic mass. I've only been to a few Catholic funerals. And let me tell you, those people are actually very, very impressive. Uh, There's a reason Catholicism is so powerful. Uh, The Catholics do do a lot. They are a force of good uh, throughout the earth. Yes, of course, amongst the best you can find the worst. They're certainly uh, uh, out there considering all all of the, the pedophilia that's existed in the Catholic Church. Uh, their their involvement with taking uh, grants and all of the corruption, uh, you know, money is the root of all evil, you know. Yes, all of that. But the people that practice it, the average members of their churches, they are nice. They are calm. And let me tell you what, when they were gathered around that statue, they were civil. They were civil. civil. They were ladies. There were gentlemen down there practicing the religion in hopes that that beautiful statue would not be torn down. But, yep, you guessed it, BLM was down there screaming and yelling. Yes, with their crazy hair, their body odor, with their cardboard signs, yelling obscenities. Can I just tell you this? If if you're scrolling through social media and you see a BLM protest, you can just guarantee it it's going to have profanity. They cannot talk without dropping the F-bomb. They cannot talk without dropping the MF-bomb. That's just the way this is. That's why people aren't listening to you. Civil society is not listening to you. BLM, you want people to listen to you? Start acting like Dr. Martin Luther King. Don't interrupt. Don't be a disruptor. Be a person of peace. Wait your turn. Get a message and tell it with some decency, and people are going to start yelling at you. But when you got cardboard signs in your face, you're stoned out of your mind, you look crazy, you're smashing windows. Nobody is going to listen to you, okay? That's just the way humanity is. But I got to tell you, this video caught my eye because I saw a face that I recognized. I thought, I I know this guy. There was a BLM protester down there, and I'm like, I recognize him. I remember years ago at the Church of God in Christ convention, years ago in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Church of God in Christ is is a very large uh, Trinitarian Pentecostal organization. Uh, great preaching, phenomenal music. They've got a, a fabulous structure going on. You know, their churches are everywhere. And uh, one of their preachers got up, and he got sick and tired of uh, of all the uh, homosexuality on the platform. Now, you got to understand this. Christians dwell peaceably with homosexuals. But for the kingdom of God, according to our Bible, to get into the kingdom of God, you cannot practice that. You must repent from that, turn from that, and, uh, you know— um, Ask God every day to help you with that. You know, those feelings did not come from God. It is a delusion from the world. That's what we believe for our religion and our practice. But here in America, you can practice it and not be a criminal. So we want to uh, dwell with you in our neighborhoods, peaceably. We will work with you, peaceably. Uh, We're not out out to stop you, but if you want to come into the kingdom of God, we will guide you on the pathway of repentance, okay? And that is what that preacher uh, was preaching. We need to be a holy people, a consecrated people. And he was tired of seeing all of the hypocrisy on, on the platform and he was preaching against it. I tell you what, conviction came into that house and there was a um, a, a a private practicing homosexual there in the in the Kojic church and his name is uh, Andrew Caldwell and he gets up in that microphone and he says, "I'm not gay no more. I am delivered." And you know what? The uh, revival broke out on that altar call and legitimately men repented of their sins and that is a good thing, okay? That's the last I saw of Andrew Caldwell. I've seen a few of his other videos. He's actually a very likable person. He's got his own social media um, presence out there. He's been pretty successful at it <laughs> and he he's actually got some great things to say but he's a part of a BLM protest that day down there in the front of that statue and I, I see him down there. he's yelling racist, racist, racist!" And he's got an air horn, and he's blowing it, in these Catholic face, and these people, and these Catholics' faces, while they're down there holding their rosaries and praying, and and one of their leaders, their priest, is down there, uh, being interviewed by a, a local St. Louis TV station, and little Andrew is down there blowing that air horn. Mister, I'm not gay no more. Blowing that air horn, racist, racist, racist. And there's little, there's, there's this little small sweet Catholic lady, maybe weighing 110 pounds, soaking wet. And Andrew Caldwell, I'm not gay no more, I am delivered, gets in her face with that air horn and he yells at her, screams right in her face, you and that cross is going to get that butt whooped. I I, I want to say, Andrew Caldwell, do you want people to take you seriously as an I'm not gay no more advocate? You can't be treating people like that. You can't be yelling in the faces of white Catholics racists. Okay? That's false witness. Those people down there aren't racist. They just don't want to see a beautiful statue destroyed by you and your friends. Okay? I want to say to BLM, I want to say to anybody who is protesting injustice, that is your right. That is not a sin. Communicate your message. But you've got to stop being so contentious about this. You can't be blowing air horns. You can't be threatening to whoop their butts. You can't be doing that. So I just want to say to this, to the current climate, do you want civil rights? You must first have a civil society. And Andrew Caldwell, you're getting in people's face without a mask. You're yelling, I can see you spitting. You could have COVID-19. You need to start thinking about your fellow neighbors, okay? Stop protesting violently and help stay the plague with a mask on. It's as simple as that. That's all there is to it. I have a personal friend who has sadly contracted COVID-19. He said it's the sickest he has ever been, very scary. But the Lord helped him recover. Well, after he recovered, the local county, uh, who was led by uh, a bunch of liberal Democrats, their office called him, and they said, how you doing? Well, we're so glad you're feeling better. How was your experience in the hospital, yada, yada? Are you good? Are you well taken care of this and that, this and that? Well, then they start asking the questions to this friend of mine. And they asked him, were you at? They didn't ask him, uh, did you go to the gym? They didn't ask him, were you at the restaurant? They didn't ask him if he was at a crowded elevator or any other pr- place that you, you probably, probably contact COVID-19. And they certainly didn't ask, were you down at a protest? Oh, no. You want to know where they asked him? Do you go to church? What church do you go to? And my friend all of a sudden realized, okay, they were just buttering me up. They were just trying to act nice and concerned. And it was all a guise because it's all about the church. And can I tell you this? I love the United States of America. I believe in our government. I pay taxes to it. I'm a patriot. Okay, But I realize I've got enough sense that there are pockets within the U.S. government, our civic authorities, our legal system, that would like to make the church look bad in all of this. That is what they're trying to do. And I want to say to you you apostolic Pentecostal Christians, if you've contacted COVID-19 in your county or whoever calls you, you don't have to tell them what church you go to. You can stay silent. And that's what my friend did. He said, it's none of your business. He said, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make the look ba- make me look bad. And that telemarketer hung up the phone pretty quickly. Oh yeah, they know. They know that we're to them. So there is a spirit behind all of this. It is trying to erase the beautiful American culture that we have. The culture of the free capitalist market, excuse me, the free regulated capitalist market, uh, the Judeo-Christian values that we have, and the culture of uh, self-reliance, individuality, liberty, and freedoms. They want to tear it all down, and you know good and well they want to tear down the church. Tear down the church because we believe in in a marriage, the sanctity of it, the beauty of fatherhood, the beauty of motherhood, children honoring and respecting their parents and being good, godly, God-fearing people. They want to take all of that away and set up the socialist new world order, which will ultimately become communism, which will ultimately turn into worldwide globalism, which will set the stage for the Antichrist. And we don't really want to have any part of that at all. It's all about where does it lead? It's all about where does it lead? You know, Bernie Sanders has said some nice things, you know, when he's up there in that podium waving around those engorged purple fingers. I don't know if I could handle four years of that ever as a president, those engorged purple fingers waving around. He's a nice old guy. He's a nice guy. He said some good things. But think about where these type of politics lead to. It leads to what I've just said. That's where it leads to. That's why you see a lot of us not buying into it. Uh, but we have joined the silent majority and hoping for some good things. But ultimately, this world is not our home, and we know that. We know this whole thing is going to crash. We know this whole thing is going down. That's why we're keeping our heads up for our redemption uh, draws nigh. I want to talk. I'll talk to you about face coverings in the Bible, and uh, there's many uh, places of this. And one of uh, the one that I feel for today is Samuel's face covering. Okay. So, uh, uh referencing the passage in 1 Samuel chapter 28 after Samuel had passed away is he passed away and his soul and spirit went down into Abraham's bosom Saul is uh, met with the great enemy the Philistines and he doesn't know what to do well according to the law of Moses you the king was not permitted to let a witch live or a medium or a spiritist live. They had to be cut off. They had to be stoned. They had to be purged out of the land. And Saul did that to his credit. He did that. But he uh, said, I've got to talk to Samuel. And the reason why, according to 1 Samuel 28, is he could not hear from God. God would not appear to him in a dream. God would not appear to him through prophecy. God would not talk to him through the Orem and Thummim. Those were the uh, stones that that a priest carried in the breastplate uh, on his chest. He would go before the Lord in the temple and ask God a yes or no question, put his hands in that little pouch, pull out the stones, and the stones uh, were like a yes and no. The yes stone would glow or the no stone would glow. And according to tradition, they were the color. One was the color of the sun, one was the color of the moon. And so God would answer by light. God would answer by light. And so he could get no answer from that. He didn't know whether he would lose or whether he would win. So he says, the only source I could think of is I got to go talk to Samuel. And Sa- and Saul knew he couldn't call up Samuel. The only person that really practiced that, which was forbidden, necromancy, was a witch at Endor. And uh, let me tell you this stuff. It's not just little hocus pocus out there. This is real. Witchcraft has the ability to summon the dead, but not so much the dead, but rather demonic spirits called familiar spirits who are very familiar with how people lived on this earth and knowing that they are dead, their spirit has departed into uh, the spirit world and these familiar spirits know how to mimic the souls of the departed. And this lady probably made money this way. She had uh, many friends in the demonic world and would summon these devils to look like and act like and talk like uh, the souls of the departed people. So if somebody lost their grandfather, they would go to the witch of Endor and she would summon a demon That would look like their lost grandfather. Of course, the witch of Endor wouldn't say this. She would say, oh yes, this is your grandfather. And the spirit would manifest and look a lot like their grandfather and say things that the grandfather would say. Uh, The spirit world uh, doesn't sleep. It's always walking. It's always moving. It knows our names. It knows our life. It knows a lot about us. Oh yeah. So when you think nobody is there, oh yeah, the angels are watching. The demons are watching. They know what you do. They know your works of good. They know your bad works. They know your works of righteousness. And they know your sin. Oh, yes, they do. They do. But thank the Lord for his blood that covers our sins so the devil can't see that stuff anymore. Amen. But, yeah, this is what Saul wanted to do. He wanted the woman to bring up Samuel. And when she does, I'm going to read to you. In, in uh, 1 Samuel 28, verse 11, it says, The woman, this is the witch of Endor, said to Saul, Whom shall I bring up? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. The woman saw Samuel, you notice the Bible doesn't say she saw a familiar spirit. Oh, no, she saw Samuel. She cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me, for you are Saul? And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered in a mantle. He's covered in a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped down with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, "Why have you disturbed me, bringing me up?" Notice that the Bible says, "Samuel said," Samuel spoke, and Saul answered, "I am I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me any more, neither by prophets nor by dreams." Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? A mantle is not what you have above uh, your fireplace. Drinking another Americano today brought to me by my brother, Dan Badger. He's an epic dude. Thank you, Dan, for providing us coffee today. That is uh, put me in a very good mood. A mantle is also, it's it's cloth, it's clothing. In other places in the Bible, it's called a garment. You know, Isaiah 61, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, you have Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, uh, a prophecy about Messiah that he would arise with healing in his wings. Uh, these cloaks, that uh, the prayer garments, also called mantles, that uh, men would wear over their shoulders, down their arms. Anytime they would move their arms up in the air, it looked like wings hanging down, so they called that the wings. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood grabs a hold of the garment of Jesus, and immediately her issue is healed. Uh, this, this is why it was so powerful, because she believed in prophecy. The Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, had healing uh, in his wings. It was also called a seamless garment. John 19, uh, Jesus' garment was given to the Gentile soldiers by the casting of lots. It's also called in places little tent in the Hebrew talit. Uh, Acts chapter 18, Paul with Aquila and Priscilla making tents. Those were not for camping. Those are rather for praying. Uh, it's a little tallit's called a little tent because we, they would put the garment over their face, cover their face, and they would uh, go into a private place with the Lord through a, through the covering, the cloth. That's where they would pray. It's also called a cloak. Paul uh, asks Timothy to bring his cloak to him. Second like Timothy chapter 4, it's also called coat, covering, veil, fringe, border, tassels, And nowadays, uh, prayer shawl, they're they're really all all over the Bible. Same thing, but uh, different words. This is what Samuel is covered in when he comes up from Abraham's bosom, summoned by the witch to speak to Saul. The foundational purpose of these mantles, it was for reading the word of God, reading scripture and prayer. Even to this day, in the Old Testament to this day, the Jews, the Hebrews, they practice prayer by covering the majority of their body, their head and their body with these uh, these mantles, these coverings, and particularly their, their face. You look at this, this happens several times throughout Scripture. Prophets, whenever they were prayed or prophesied to hear a word from God, they would cover their face with these garments. What do you think Elijah's doing when he's coming out of his cave? He covers his face because he knows God is about to speak uh, to him. These prophets, these men of God, they wore their mantles all day, every day. And it was essentially... The main physical possession associated with spirituality. When they would read scriptures, they wore it when they prayed, and particularly when they would impart a ministry or impart a gift to somebody. Their mantles were to constantly be clean, to be well-kept, to never be cut, or to never be colored. Remember that. Okay? This is why Paul talks about the covering in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We don't really have prayer coverings nowadays as a church, but Paul talks about men are covered on the top of their head with Christ. Christ is now our mantle. Christ is now our garment. Christ is now our holy garment. That's why men cut their keep their hair cut, because Christ is what is covering their head and their body. Man is made in the image of God. Secondly, the woman. Your hair is now your prayer shawl. Your hair is now your prayer coming. Your hair is now your cloak. And those mantles, your hair, you need to treat it like a mantle. That's why we don't cut it. That's why we don't color it. But when you are covered in the presence of the Lord, it's very pleasing to God and, of course, attracts angelic power. That was not just a cultural thing, but rather a church cultural thing. That's why Paul ends the passage in saying, don't be contentious about this. Stop fighting about this, for this is a custom of the church. It is a custom of the church. And I believe that. My local church does. My organization that I'm a part of, the United Pentecostal Church is a part of that. The Bible starts talking about p- power, angels, submission. Uh, don't mess with that. Don't mess with that. You need to get back to that. So uh, God bless all of you ladies that uh, obey Scripture and are part of that. you got angels with you. You've got a prayer covering with you. And you are following the patterns of the Old Testament prophets of the Old Testament here in the New Testament. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. That's one problem mainly in the First Corinthians Church. Paul's Paul really taught he didn't want women up there praying or prophesying if they had cut hair. That was the issue, but a lot of them were contentious. They were cutting their hair, and Paul said, okay, fine. Well, don't let them pray out loud, and don't let them prophesy out loud. He wanted the true women of God uh, in those places doing those ministries. Samuel's mantle was special. Samuel's mantle not only reminded him of God, the Word of God, prayer, and all of that, but it also reminded him of his beautiful mother, Hannah who prayed uh, with just moving her lips in the temple because she wanted to pray in a way for her husband not to hear because in the, according to the law in the Old Testament, if a husband heard a, his wife praying and uh, offering a vow or an oath to the Lord, he didn't like it, he could cancel it. Well, Hannah made a vow to God. She said, I want a child, and if you give him to me, I'll give him to you. Well, she was worried probably her husband, Elkanah, would not like that. So he didn't. she didn't want him to hear, so she prayed silently God heard it and He honored it, and gave her a son. And she did offer him unto the Lord for His service in the, the temple under the priest uh, Eli. It says in Scripture that Hannah would bring a little coat to her son every year as he grew up. That little coat was a mantle. That's that's what she would bring him to wear. So anytime he would wear this, he would pray, hear from God, serve in the temple. He would he would light the menorah, uh, uh, you know, help with with the uh, the holy showbread. He would help with all of these things. He had this little mantle on that his mother would give him. And, it, it, and as he slept one night as a child, probably wrapped in that mantle, that's when the, the Spirit of God came to him, the voice of the Lord uh, uh, came to him there in Shiloh, and God raised him up to be a uh, mighty great prophet. Uh, you, you notice this about Samuel. One of, the, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, Not a word of Samuel fell to the ground. Samuel, Samuel's word was powerful. It was to be trusted. It was to be revered. It was not weak, but full of faith, power, wisdom, and uh, knowledge. You know, Samuel even knew uh, when, when he first met Saul where his father's lost donkeys were. Uh, he knew uh, to anoint David the king. God was with him. He was a very powerful uh, prophet. But uh, Saul had it in his mind to start doing his own thing. He became great in his own eyes. He was not no longer small in his own eyes, but became great. And he spared the spoils of the war with Amalek. And because of this, God rejected him. And you read the scripture when this happened. When Saul uh, did this and Samuel pronounced judgment upon him, Saul reached out and grabbed a hold of the skirt or the mantle of Samuel and tore it. This is probably the same mantle he'd been wearing since he stopped growing, maybe 18, 19 or 20. It It was made probably by his mother and Saul tore that. This is probably why it angered Samuel so much. And he looked down at Saul and, and, and knew the uh, intentions of God and the destiny of God. And he prophesied to him, as you have torn this garment, so has the kingdom been torn from you, Saul. Samuel would later die after this, probably wearing his own mantle that Saul tore, that his mother made from him, his prayer garment. Okay, so you keep all of this in mind. Saul needs to hear a word from, from uh, Samuel. Dreams are not appearing to him. Prophecies not appearing to him. The Urim and thummim is not appearing to him. So he has to do what is forbidden of the Lord, and that is to call up the spirit of a departed one through a medium, through the witch. I've heard it preached many, many times that, oh, this, this, that couldn't have been Samuel. God wouldn't allow that. Well, keep in mind what we've already said. Think about this. The witch was afraid of what she saw. She was never afraid. She she loved demons. She felt very comfortable around demons. She loved having demons living the, in in her home with her. She made a lot of money through these familiar spirits that know how to play and put on an act to, to be the spirit of a departed one—somebody's lost grandma or, or grandfather and her uncle, father, whoever, son, child, even. Yeah, that's what these uh, that's what these devils did. And and I, I want to tell you this: if if you've ever had somebody die and you see their quote unquote ghost in your home or in your car with you. Chances are you're probably seeing a demon, and the demon is masquerading as somebody you loved in order to let that demon into your life, to destroy your home, to destroy your soul. Uh, So watch out for that. Be very careful with that. Demons do these things nowadays. Oh, yes, they do. But the the witch flipped out. She freaked out. Why? Because it wasn't a familiar spirit. It was not a friend, but she rather saw a true prophet of the living God. You read what Samuel prophesied. It was truth. A demon can't prophesy the truth. It can only speak a lie. But this prophecy was true. It was accurate. What he said what the Philistines would do and Saul's downfall, it happened to the T. So Samuel stood up and prophesied. And then just plain as day, the Bible says Samuel spoke. It was Samuel's spirit. It was Samuel's soul. It was his ghost that was raised up, and God allowed it. Let me tell you this. Remember that even as Samuel, as a departed spirit down into Abraham's bosom, was still able to prophesy. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans 11, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Even the spirit, even the spirit, the soul and spirit of a departed person who is gifted with prophecy can still prophesy even from the grave. That's how powerful the gifts and the callings of God are in this. So now I want you to think about this. Samuel's mantle went with him to the grave. He had the gifts and the callings of God to the grave. Now, Elijah, his mantle passed on to Elisha, a double portion of his gifting passed on. I want to ask you, who got Samuel's mantle? Who did Samuel impart a portion of his spirit upon? Nobody. It never went to anybody. If anybody, maybe, possibly some of it went to David. That's personally where I think the prophecy came from, spending time with Samuel. And as it were, Samuel's mantle went to the grave to him, the power of covering his face when he would read the law, the power of covering his face when he would prophesy. But I believe that Samuel's mantle is not lost, that it has not ended, but rather it is still alive and with us and available today to get a hold of, and that is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of his spirit, the power of impartation, and of course what we've already talked about in 1 Corinthians 11. The power of the mantle of Jesus Christ upon the cut hair, the cut head of a holy man and the long flowing uncut hair of a godly woman. But also I believe this comes through the outpouring of the gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ. We've kind of talked about this briefly in past episodes. When Jesus descended down into the lower parts of the earth, going into Abraham's bosom, he fulfilled Psalm 68, verse 18, and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8. Before Jesus ascended, he descended, and he led a multitude of captives out of their captivity to a place on high. That is the paradise. He took everybody out of Abraham's bosom, all of the Old Testament saints out of there, and brought them up into paradise. And it said he received gifts, and he gave gifts. Jesus received gifts. Well, who did he receive gifts from? You know who I think he received it from? The Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament kings. Yes, a lot of the fivefold ministry, it existed back in the Old Testament. You had apostles in the Old Testament. You look take a look at Joseph. You take a look at David. Those guys had apostolic ministry for the Old Testament covenant. They certainly had prophets back then like Samuel. God took the gifts of the prophets and he gave them to other people. And, of course, you had evangelists. you ever hear of the runners in the Bible that would bring messages to and from the battle and back to the king? Those are our evangelists nowadays. And then you had pastors. You had teachers. These were the priests that would get up and teach the law and assemble the people, gather the people, and teach them the ways of the Lord. All of those are gifts that existed during the greatness, the great times of Israel in the Old Testament, That were buried into the underworld. Jesus took those people out of Abraham's bosom, brought them up to paradise, and took their giftings and gave them to the church. The only two that did not exist was tongues and interpretation of tongues. We talked about in our spiritual gifts series. Those were all brand new with Jesus Christ. Those were the gifts brand new from him that he released upon the church. But the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, prophecy, uh, gifts of healing... Uh, the working of miracles, discerning of spirits, all of those existed uh, in the Old Testament times, and they were given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, taking those gifts that were uh, held by the Old Testament saints, and he gave them now to the New Testament church. And I believe that is also included in that is Samuel's giftings and in Samuel's uh, mantle to this day, and praise God for that. And I believe in the manner that which Samuel ministered, God wants us to minister to this day. So speaking of the masks, I don't believe that your face covering, whether FDA approved or commercial, or simply you wrapped uh, uh, your your favorite uh, superhero shirt around your face. Or maybe you're just using your handkerchief that's been in the same suit pocket for the last 10 years. I, I, I don't care, if you, even if you got a coffee filter wrapped around your face. That's not really what it's speaking of. But rather, covering your face was a powerful act of spirituality in Old Testament times. You know what it was for? To eliminate distractions. You read the Old Testament, there was always some sort of problem going on. There was always some sort of war going on. There was always some sort of commotion going on. How did the people stay focused on God during that time? Well, they physically shut the world out. And they did that through a covering. They did that through a covering. And nowadays, I got to tell you, it's been really difficult for me to pray. With all of the things going on all around me, and I've had to fight to find any sort of focus. My phone is always ringing. I'm getting text messages. I'm looking right down. Just, just in the last 40 minutes of this episode, I have three missed calls and 27 text messages of people and stuff that I need to return, business that I need to take care of during this time. I mean, it's just nonstop work, 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 taking care of my family, taking care of church business, making content here for all of you amazing, loyal listeners. I have had to fight to stay focused during this time. And I asked God this morning, Lord, give me the power and the focus of Samuel. And can I tell you what, in my office facing my wall, I covered my face with my hands and I could feel the presence of the Lord wash over me in a way that it's been weeks since I felt simply because I focused on God. So we need to do that during this time. If you're listening to this, guys, girls, you've got to learn to pray with absolute focus. Somehow get away privately. Jesus said, go pray in the closet. You know what that was code for? That was Hebrew idiom. Pray under your covering. Pray under your cloak. We've got to stay involved in that. Okay? Now, I know when I said prophecy, I caught your attention. When I said impartation, I caught your attention because there are so many that listen to this that are so hungry to be used supernaturally in natural ways, as we've been saying, be natural with the supernatural. Stop being weird with the supernatural. Stop being uh, strange with the supernatural. But instead, be have that personable human touch with the gifts of the Spirit. Don't act like a weirdo. It's not going to be received. It's why a lot of these protesters, their message is not received because they're not acting like a human being. Okay? All right? You've got to start acting natural. And also, you can't get the gifts of the Spirit. You can't get the anointing of God. You can't get the favor that Samuel had. You can't have the power of covering your face as Samuel did here before Saul and as he did many times before praying and prophesying in his lifetime. You can't get it like Saul. Saul reached out and through trying to manipulate it and trying through force takes Samuel's mantle. God would not allow that. Samuel wouldn't allow that. Samuel said to Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which Saul later would do, which is why his kingship, his legacy was gone, over with. Because he tried to get a hold of Samuel through force by taking it. Oh, no. You want a prophet's anointing? You got to start doing what the prophet would do. You got to start living as the prophet would live. And I tell you this, one of the greatest things that annoy me to this day and people that are wanting to get involved in ministry, they are trying to do it by breaking the code that Jesus taught us and that they try to ascend. Okay. My mother is calling me. I got to take this. Hey mom. Hey, Hey mom, I'm, 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 I'm recording spirit signal. Can I call you back? Uh, I should wrap up here in about 15 minutes. Okay, that'll be fine. Okay, Okay. Okay, love you, bye. Oh, I love my mother. Sister Gleason is a powerful woman of God. Got to take those phone calls. And she's so nice to be able to let me call her back. Where was I? Okay, you want to know where your ministry is going to come from? It's going to come through invitation of another man of God. That's why Jesus said when you enter into a feast, a wedding, or whatever, don't go up and sit in the high seat. He taught his disciples, you need to start small. You need to sit in the lowest seat. He said, otherwise, you're going to sit in the high seat, and somebody's going to come up to you and say, hey, that's for somebody else. Somebody who's worthy of it, somebody who has actually obtained it, somebody who was favored and invited to that. And they're going to make you go sit in the back, and you're going to be embarrassed. Okay? Okay. If you are a newbie aspiring for ministry, never, ever grab that microphone and start preaching without your pastor's permission. I see this happen all the time in conferences and conventions. An altar call is moving. The power of God is moving. And some dunce gets up there and grabs the microphone and tries to take over. And everybody who's down there weeping and praying, they're looking up with their eyebrows raised saying, who is this Yahoo up there trying to take control of this? You know what that's about? That's not about God. That's not about the people. That is about attention on me. Look at me. I am self-proclaiming my own debut here in this conference. Sound men, you need to let God use you and shut the microphone off in that moment. I pray for every soundman, everybody in a production booth right now, that you would get the discerning of spirits to be able to shut, to shut off the microphone of somebody who is trying to speak or sing to be seen of men. That's right. And I see this happen a lot too. Somebody, you know, comes to a church and oh, they want to be on the praise team and they want to be seen of men and have the glory fall on them. They have a passion to do the ministry to be seen of men, and they get up there, you know, before a practice, after a practice, during a practice, or after an altar call, and they just start playing, you know, on somebody's piano that doesn't belong to them. They get up somebody's guitar and start playing it on them, and everybody in the praise team is looking like, "Who is this person?" Can I tell you this? If you do that, there is a good chance you are never going to be used. Yeah. They don't care how good you are. But if you get up there and play without an invite, you are doing it. That is a signal that Jesus taught. You are doing it to be seen of men. Don't do this. I remember a major conference that we have here. Several years ago, some some kid was here, and he got up and picked up our guitar player's guitar. A nice, several thousand dollars worth of, of guitar and equipment. He just started playing it in the altar call. And it was so distracting. I, I thought, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do what the Lord said to you. and I walked up there. And I got in that guy's face and I said to him, did anybody ask you to play? And he said, no. And I said, why are you up here? And he said, well, I just felt to play. I said, yeah, you felt to play. God didn't tell you to play. I didn't tell you to play. The conference host didn't tell you to play. Our music minister didn't tell you to play. This is about you being seen of men. Put the guitar down and get off the platform now. And you know what? He listened to me and he walked off the platform. And you know what? He later apologized to me. And I gave him a lesson. I said, Look, I get it. You want to be used. Wait. If you are anointed, if you're talented, you got something to say, you got something to do. Believe me, pastors know who you are. Your pastor isn't dumb. Your pastor knows the anointing when he can see it. Your music minister knows the anointing and talent when he can see it. Nowadays, it ain't about how good you can preach, but how good can you follow instructions. Yeah. It ain't about how good or how good you can sing or how good you can play It's about can you work together as a team because music ministers are tired of having to deal with bad attitude They are tired of people who are arguing gossiping They're talking during choir practice. They're causing problems. They're sick of it And they're tired of it That is what saul was He wanted to gain the favor of the prophet by taking his own mantle Oh, it was hypocrisy It was awful. And that's not how you get it. You get it through submission. You get it through patience. And you wait for God to give you your turn. Samuel's up there in the heavenly paradise right now, still covered, still able to prophesy, and still able to pray. And the Lord is saying, I have the gift of Samuel right here in my hand. And I want to give it to somebody. Somebody who will worship and praise me like David. Somebody who will respect the prophet like David did. Somebody who's not afraid to cover their their face and get in private with me. Somebody who's not afraid to prophesy like Eli did. Somebody who speaks when my word speaks and says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Somebody with a true servant's heart. That's what Samuel did before he ever even knew who God was. He just served Eli. He just served. That's how ministry starts. You want a spirit signal? You can get it by starting to serve. Start to serve. Start by helping out by turning out lights in hallways of the church after service is over. Start by help serving by picking up trash. Start taking care of the house of God. You do that stuff, your pastor will notice you. Start following in the footsteps of your pastor. Saul did nothing to be like Samuel. Oh, no. Saul wanted to be like Saul. He wanted to be like the kingdoms and the nations all around about him. It was all about himself. And that's why God said, I'm done with you. And I'm going to choose somebody who is after my own heart, who loves me, loves my law, and respects the man of God. You want to have the power of the prayer covering like Samuel? Start acting like Samuel. You want to be used like your pastor. You want to be used like your favorite evangelist? Start acting like them. You will attract what you follow. That's why you got to be really careful who you watch and who you listen to. You want to annoy your pastor, start going up to him and saying, hey, this other preacher from this other organization said this and this and this and did this. Why don't we do this? Uh, Your pastor may smile at you and say, we'll see, but mark it down. Your pastor marked you and said, yep, not using him. Mm -mm." You want to get the favor of your pastor and the favor of your evangelist, start taking notes on everything they say and start following everything that they say. I'm sick and tired of people sending me young aspiring ministers YouTube clips of some emergent pastor out there and what they're saying. I, I'm t- I already write you off. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, no. You want to get my attention? Start following what I have to say. You want to have my favor? You want my impartation? Start following what I have to say. What other preachers just like me have to say, and that's how you're going to get our attention. Be careful what you set before your eyes, be careful what you put in your ears, and also watch how you dress. Yeah, you want to be used of God, start dressing like a man of God. You see it. Do great men of God nowadays spike up their hair two foot high off the top of their head? Do they gel up their eyebrows? Do they wear tight yellow pants? Do they wear a funky jacket like Andrew Caldwell did? I'm not gay no more. No, they don't. We dress very plain. We don't dress to be seen. We don't dress to look spiritual. We act spiritual. Yeah. We let our talking content speak for itself. We let the anointing of God flow through itself. So, yeah, you need to think about those things. Start acting like what you want to become. And that goes for every man. That goes for every woman out there. So, yeah, wait to be seated, wait to be given the opportunity, your pastor sees you, you don't have to make noise, you don't have to be obnoxious to do it, no, if you got the anointing you know how to pray, oh yeah, your pastor will see it, they're looking for it, you got the anointing to play, you got the anointing to sing, your music minister will see it, you'll get notice, let God promote who he wants to promote, it is just as simple as that, I'm Justin Gleason, your spiritual signal host, it's been a delight to talk to you about the word of God today, Samuel was powerful. He was an amazing prophet. You need to read about the story. You need to act like Samuel. Don't fall into the same trap as Saul. God bless you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Don't let your patience run out! Keep your soul possessed with patience! Losing your patience is not worth going to hell for!